You're listening to Rumination Tuesday on Law and Gospel, where we take a look at a hymn. And today we're going to be listening to Son of God, Eternal Savior. That was a rendition of Son of God, Eternal Savior, with a choir behind it. It was written by Somerset Thomas Corey Lowry, who died in 1932. It is a socially-minded hymn. It had six stanzas in 1893, while he was serving as vicar of North Homewood in Surrey. It was first published in the periodical Goodwill in February 1894, and appeared shortly thereafter in an 1895 hymnal of the Christian Social Union. That was a group founded in 1889 within the Church of England and dedicated to addressing the social and economic needs of the less privileged. So each of these stanzas include reference to Christ's eternal attributes and earthly ministry and praying that we live in our lives according to his example. So that's a great hymn. Uh, how do you like the tune there, Pastor Smith? Well, you know, that's a different, uh, that's a different tune than uh, what we have in our hymnal. Son of, I love the hymn that we have in our, and I like, I like that tune too, but it's not the same one. Uh, I love this hymn, Son of God, Eternal Savior. one of my favorites. Yes, I think so too. Um, it's a hymn that we'll be singing on Sunday at uh, the churches I'm going to be involved with. 
And so I'm kind of looking forward to that. But we'll have to wait and see how it sounds. Uh, we have particularly a excellent pianist, excellent organist. You really need someone like that when you're doing the hymn. And Tom, here's the rendition. Here's the rendition you like. Is that better? Yes, that's the one I'm familiar with. And Tom, I understand uh, uh, Henry Gerke, who gave us the setting for this hymn, is one of your one of your friends or one of your classmates. Is that well, right? Well, actually, no. Um, when I was a vicar, I was under his father, Ernest Gerke. That's right. And that's what I remember. That's where I got to know him, and then I was talking to him and he decided to become a pastor. I actually rented to him a trailer I owned in St. Louis while he was there going through the seminary. And then of course, he not only became a pastor, but he was a great organist yes. at Reformation Lutheran Church. Right, And yes. that also was one of my field workers, David Pelsu. And guess what? He's getting ready to retire. No, he has retired. Right. Yep. And so they have a new pastor there already. Okay, already. Wow, that was quick. Well, you know, I had like 80 field workers when I was at the seminary (laughs) uh, as a pastor that were assigned to my congregation. So I just, I'll tell you, if. Louise and I ever lost our house, we'd just go around and live with them for a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, that's, that's, a, that's a funny picture. <laughs> yeah, I wish I, had, I wish I had a list. I wish I had a listing of all the seminary student field workers that I, that I had at my congregation over the years. Boy, there are a bunch of them. Man. Yep, you also did that. Yep. Yes. All right. Stanza one, please. Son of God, eternal Savior, source of life and truth and grace, word made flesh, whose birth among us hallows all our human race. You, our head, who throned in glory, for your own will ever plead. Fill us with your love and pity, heal our wrongs and help our need. Yes, this was by Somerset Lowry. Uh, He died in 1932, less than 100 years ago. 
And he starts off, of course, with Jesus referred to as the Son of God and eternal Savior. This is actually the hymn suggested for the fourth Sunday in Epiphany. Right. And so Epiphany also talks about how Jesus was born, made flesh, whose birth among us, and hallows all our human race. Can you explain what that means, hallows all our human race? Well, he, uh, he, hallows means to make holy, and uh, he, he did that by his suffering and death on the cross. He atoned for all the sins of all time. He, he redeemed all people, e- even those who finally reject him and are not saved. But he has redeemed all people. All are redeemed, even the scoundrels of history. He's hallowed the entire human race. We call that his uh, objective justification. And then to be saved, one has to believe those promises. That's subjective justification. Exactly. He he offers us all that uh, that eternal life and salvation. By his suffering, death, and the cross, he offers it to all, but he doesn't force it on anyone. He gives us the faith to believe it. In a recent sermon, I talked about that we were called saints and holy because they come from the same word. And I was happy to find out what the original in the Hebrew meant. To be holy means to be cleansed. Right. And that, of course occurs with the sacrifices in the Old Testament pointing forward to the cleansing that we will have with the blood of Christ. So we are cleansed, made pure, regarded as holy, not because we've stopped from sinning, but because we have the forgiveness of sins, which means that God no longer holds us accountable for our sins since Jesus died for them. Yes, Tom, and and if you read read the New Testament, you find that uh, saints is a term that's given to all believers, not just people that have been canonized or anything like that, but whoever believes. You know, uh, Paul talks about the saints in these various churches uh, throughout the Roman Empire. So, uh, you know, people say, people are sometimes surprised to hear that. They think you have to be canonized to become a saint. That's not true at all. All believers are saints due to Christ. In fact, I had a great co-pastor, Peter Kurowski, and when he would phone someone, how did he start the conversation? Yeah, he always talked about the saints, right? Saint, or St. Saint, Saint Mark or St. Tom. or You're right, exactly. he used to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that was really very well done. And it helped people to understand that we are saints because God has declared us to be saints. In fact, it's the very opposite of what happened to Jesus. He never was a sinner, but he was declared to be sin for us in order that he might die on the cross for our sins. That's right. All right, I'll read stanza two. As you, Lord, have lived for others, so may we for others live. Freely have your gifts been granted Freely may your servants give. Yours the gold and yours the silver, yours the wealth of land and sea, 
we but stewards of your bounty held in solemn trust will be. What does it mean to be a steward? We're, we're caretakers, caretakers of his bounty. He's, he's entrusted us with, uh, with uh, many things in our lives, with, uh, well, it's, just, it's the gold and the silver and uh, the, the finances that we're entrusted with, the property that we're entrusted with, and our talents. And we're to use these. This comes under the uh, uh, the heading of society, and this is a, a, a society-focused hymn. It's about uh, living our lives for others uh, in in society. So it's not that much about justification, where you become a Christian, but sanctification, where you respond to the fact that you are a believer in Jesus Christ. That is right. Yeah, that's an emphasis here. Now, when you take an offering at uh, the churches you've been at, do you have a hymn or something you say after the offering, or how does that go? No, I always, uh, I always, uh, at the church that I was serving, until only recently, um, I would offer a little offering prayer. Uh, very simple. But uh, oh, how does it go? I can't. I can't. Well, think I'll give you now. the one that I use. Yeah. We give thee but thine own, it's, whatever the, the gift may be. All yeah. that we have is thine, thine alone. A trust, O Lord, from thee. That is right. That's the same one I use. I just couldn't remember it. Yes, and that really fits well with stanza two. It really does. Yes. Because. We freely give what God has given to us. We, we want to share with others. I think your church that you were at for many a years, and also my church, we would have food for the hungry, and we would help them out when they were in need. We would always give them Thanksgiving turkeys. Uh, they would phone us and let us know that they didn't have the money to buy one. I had an individual who would call me about two weeks before Thanksgiving and say, how many turkeys do you need? And sometimes I would tell him 10 or 12 or whatever. And he would go and buy 12 of them, give them to the church, and then we deliver to the homes of those in need. Wow, that's great. Yeah, it was a great, great mission he did. Yeah, I know there are congregations that do that, yes. Stanza three, please. Come, O Christ, and reign among us, King of love and Prince of peace. Hush the storm of strife and passion. Bid its cruel discord cease. By your patient years of toiling, by your silent hours of pain, quench our fevered thirst of pleasure, stem our selfish greed of gain. Yeah, I love that verse. Yes. Yes, it says very clearly, reign among us. So according to this verse, how does Christ reign among us? Well, uh, as it says, hush the storm of strife and passion, bid its cruel discord cease. And uh, in other words, uh, get us focused on what we should be doing and not, not what we always get 
carried away with and and get uh you know the devil the world and our own sinful flesh tug us in all different directions and uh that's not what we want to be about christ wants us to be about serving others yes the last part is very good quench our fevered thirst of pleasure yes stem our selfish greed of gain what 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 does it mean a thirst of pleasure well that's our old adam our old adam yes. wants to to yep. spend all of its time and and uh finance and ability on on uh, the pleasures of this world the glitz and the glimmer of this world but uh we're asking that he would quench that and and let us spend our time and effort on more worthwhile things like like uh, spreading the gospel in word and deed and doing good deeds to our neighbor out of the motivation of love for Christ that is right yes and being good citizens too yes i recently saw a movie of a young man who went to college. He had a wonderful mother, but he got involved with another individual at college where they began burglary because he had a pleasure of wealth. And then they decided this young man had a girlfriend and she owned a building, but she needed money. So they decided to burn the building down so she could get the insurance. Well, of course, the insurance guy figured it out it was arson, and so they weren't getting the insurance money. And the young man went home to his mother and confessed his sin of burglary, and they heard about it, and they didn't want him telling because he had been on the plan of burning down the building. So they actually murdered him. Oh my goodness, Tom! You story. you should you shouldn't waste your time watching those crazy movies. <laughs> no, that's one of the things. Hey, that's one of the things you need to spend better time doing. <laughs> no, I disagree with you because okay. the reason <laughs> is he was a wonderful person. He was Christian. He was going to church, but it shows how a person can get wrapped up in the greed of gain or the thirst of pleasure. And it's something pastors should be aware of how that happens. We need to really make sure, and and remember I'm at a church right now with the university and what we're trying to do is find out, well, they've got thousands of students there and we're trying to find out which ones are Lutheran to invite them, but guess what? The college will not release what religion they are. Yeah, I can believe that. They're very, oh, you know, we're so privacy-oriented these days. You, you can't even, it's, it's sometimes difficult to find whether one of your members is in the hospital. Why is that, you think? Well, it's, uh, it's the, what is that, what's that called? The hip, hippo uh, law that they, they're sworn to secrecy about uh, the health of a person. Yes. And so if your member doesn't phone you, you usually find out from another member who's close to them. Right. And it's then, sometimes it's hard to find uh, find out whether they're in a hospital, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
So this is something that is in the pastoral task of watching over your members. I, I was taught I had some, well, Pastor Walter Hoffman was my fieldwork supervisor at Emmanuel Olivet, tremendous pastor. Yes, he and was. He was tremendous because he visited people so often, not only in the hospital, but even at their homes. And that's something that I did in my ministry. We would have Bible studies in homes on Sunday nights, and we would encourage the members to invite people from their neighborhood to come to the Bible study. And we received a number of members that way. That's great. Yeah, he was a fine pastor, Pastor Hoffman. Okay, stanza four, please. Son of God, eternal Savior, source of life and truth and grace, word made flesh, whose birth among us hallows all our human race. By your praying, by your willing, that your people should be one. Grant, O oh grant, our hope's fruition here on earth. Your will be done. That's another now, beautiful verse. It repeats, it repeats, of course, some of the some of the same lines in the first verse, but uh, it's but it changes it changes the words in the last last couple lines. It's just an excellent hymn. One of my favorite hymns. Well, that's the question I want to have. When we talk about praying to God. What are we usually encouraging uh, the people about? Uh, praying that his will be done. Yes. In other words, you're encouraging the people to pray. Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. That's not what this verse says. Oh, it talks about by your, let's see, by your praying yes yeah i don't think people by your praying by your willing that your people should be one then that's recalling i think that's recalling his high priestly prayer isn't it explain that well uh, i remember in his high priestly prayer he prays by your praying by your willing that your people should be one that was one of the things that he prayed for in his high priestly prayer Yes. That, it, that it, your Bible. people should be one. Yes. But I don't think people recognize or realize that Jesus is continuing to pray for us right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yes. He's at the right hand of the Father. Uh, he's, our, he's our prophet, priest, and king. And that's part of his priestly office is beseeching his heavenly Father in our behalf. Absolutely. He is our advocate and defender. He's at the right hand of God, uh, praying for us continually. That's really important to understand so that people do not think they have to pray through a saint or some other person who's already died in order that God would hear them. They pray through Jesus. That's right. And remember how Jesus begins his important prayer? Yes, our Father who art in heaven. Now, what does the word our refer to? He's, he's referring to his own heavenly Father. Yes, and our Father also. 
Right. So God is hearing the Father, the prayers of Jesus that are he heard from us. So you can say a prayer to him, and he refashions the prayer in such a way that when the Father hears it, that prayer is always answered with a yes. Yes, that's right. He always answers, always hears our prayers and answers it. Yes. Well, I, I'm saying more than that. His answer okay. is always yes, because we have two kinds of prayers. The one, we're asking for him to keep a promise. So what is the answer to that? We know that's yes, because he, he always keeps his promises. The other prayer is when we ask him for something he hasn't promised, but then, but thy will be done. What's his answer? Well, it's always it's always yes because it's always his will. We want when we pray, we pray your will be done. You know, we we pray for various things in our life, but we want ultimately his his what he wants best for us. We don't always ask for the right things, but we know he'll answer our prayers giving us what we need. Yeah, I've talked about when I was still with the parents, I wanted a motorcycle. And God's representatives, namely my mother and father, said no. But as soon as I got married, it wasn't long after that I got one. So in a sense, God said, yes, it will be according to my will, but my will is for you to wait a while. Yes. And that, that was pretty good because who knows how many accidents I would have had if I hadn't been if I had been so young in just getting a motorcycle. That's right. He wanted to save you for the ministry. Yep. In fact, I used that motorcycle to go to the seminary every day, and we had a Volkswagen, and Louise used that to go to St. Mary's Hospital where she was a nurse. So it was necessary, and I would drive that in snow or rain or anything. Because Boy, I can't. To... You, you know, I can't remember I, any student that had a motorcycle at the seminary. You're the first one I've heard about that. Yep, yep. And it was a moped, a Honda, but it worked well. Thank you so much for helping us with this hymn that you like so much, Pastor Smith. And tomorrow's Law and Gospel will continue with the book of Proverbs where it really repeats what this hymn does is ask us to be nice to people. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.
If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.